Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. Come on, somebody make noise for all the dads in the room. Happy Father's Day to every one of you. We're so grateful for you. Um, you are an important role. You play an important part in, in our healthy homes, and our homes uh, being a place of God's presence. We are grateful for you. Uh, I say today you play an important role. You do not play the most important role. Let me encourage us dads. It's not the most important role because if it was the most important role, that'd be too much pressure. Uh, it would either be too much pressure or too much pride. And how many know God didn't put too much pressure on us because it would crush us and he doesn't cause us to have too much pride because that would just cause us to burst. And, uh, but what we want is not pressure on us or pride in us, but we want to take up our cross daily and we want Christ in us to be, uh, to be an in, impacting and uh, an influence. And so thanks to all the dads that are taking up their cross daily to follow after Jesus as uh, you lead your home. Come on, let's give it up for all of our dads in the room today again. Welcome to church. Also want to take a moment to welcome our faith kids. We have uh, with us today uh, for our Father's Day, we've got all of our faith kids grades uh, pre-K to six. So where are the faith kids? Make some noise if faith kids are in the room today. Yeah, there's a group up in the back. That's the, that's the fun section back there. What are y'all doing up front? Cool kids are in the back. Uh, welcome, welcome to church. We're, we're glad you're here. We're in a series called Family Matters. We've been talking this, this month of June on uh, having healthy homes. We kicked it off talking about the need to have a plan. If we don't plan, our families uh, and our future will just go with the wind of the times. And how many know we can't afford it? We can't afford to just let things go to the winds that are around us, but that we would plan. If, if uh, the scripture, of course, says that without a vision, the people perish. And so it's important for us to set a plan. Uh, what is the plan for our home, our marriage? our future, our kids. God gave Adam the ability to name things, and God has given us the ability to name our children, to set course and future and uh, speak blessing. We talked last week about uh, dealing with conflict in a healthy way. Conflict is necessary. It's uh, not just something that we try to eliminate because you can't eliminate conflict. And the reason you can't eliminate it is because the only way to get healthier is to go through conflict. You get healthier when you go through conflict in a healthy way, in a godly way. It can produce and make things even stronger. Today, I want to talk about setting boundaries, healthy boundaries, and uh, establishing boundaries in our homes, what our homes should look like. Um, and that's something for each of us to to set the course of, of, of what that is when we know the goal. In Ezekiel chapter 43, Ezekiel is the prophet of, of the day. He has been the prophet through the, the destruction of, of uh, Jerusalem. He was there, of course, recognizing that there would be the, the temple would be destroyed, that God's glory left the temple. And so he prophesied that. But then in 43, chapter 43, we've got a significant vision that God gives Ezekiel, and that is the glory glory of God returning to the temple. This is significant because we recognize that God cannot dwell in sin or unholiness or ungodliness. And so all of us have sin, but the good news is he didn't just leave and give up on us. How many are grateful that God didn't just give up on us? 
but that he sent Christ. He made a way. Christ became the fulfillment. Christ said, uh, Jesus said, you can knock down this temple, this place that you worship in, knock it down, and in three days I'll build it up. Jesus wasn't talking about the buildings. He was talking about him that you could tear down because he is the fulfillment of the temple that Jesus came and made it possible to have for us to have relationship with God. He restored us, which made it possible for God's glory to return to the temple, that God's glory. I want to talk today about having homes of God's presence. How many would agree and say, I want God's presence to be at home in my house? Come on, I hope that's all of us, that we want God's presence to create a place where God's presence would dwell. Ezekiel is giving the the specifications of what the home would look like or or the temple that God was going to establish, and then he gives the word of the temple, uh, the glory of God coming back to the temple. I want to read chapter 43, verse 1 through 7. Why don't you stand with me as we look at this, uh, this text together in this moment on Father's Day. Here's what it says. After this, and by the way, after this is, he had just given the specifications. Here's the size of the rooms. Here's the porticos, the porch. Everything will be a certain dimension and a certain way. How many, how many know God is into details? God cares about details. Things need to be done properly. Uh, there's a right way to do things. And God has given them the, the, the guidelines, the specifications. He says after this, I want you to know that when we become people who become intent on doing things the right way, it will, it will, it will win the favor of God and God's, God's presence. But he says this, after this, the man brought me back around to the east gateway, suddenly the glory of God of Israel appeared from the east. The sound of his coming was like the roar of rushing waters. I don't know what you would think the roar of rushing waters sound like, but how many know it's probably loud enough to get your attention? The, the sound of rushing waters, it got his attention. It says the sound of rushing waters came uh, like the roar of rushing waters. The whole landscape shone with his glory. This vision was just like the others I had seen. First by the Kabar River, and then when he came to destroy Jerusalem. I fell face down on the ground, and the glory of the Lord came into the temple through the east gateway. Then the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner courtyard, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And I heard someone speaking to me from within the temple, while the man who had been measuring stood beside me, The Lord said to me, son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place where I will rest my feet. I will live here forever among the people of Israel and they and I will be their God. How many would say that's the prayer or that's our desire that God's presence would be at home in our lives and in our home? Jump down to verse 12. Verse 12 says this, and this is the basic law of the temple. Here's the, here's the law of the house. Here's the house rules. The law of the house, the basic law of the temple is absolute holiness The entire top of the mountain where the temple is built is holy. Yes, this is the basic law of the temple. God, I pray that you would give us understanding today. Lord, I thank you for your your word that is written on our heart. God, let it take root in us and produce in us your glory. We give you thanks. We pray this in Jesus' name. If you agree with that prayer today, would you say amen? And you may be seated I need all of our faith kids, faith youth, help me out for a moment. I need you to find your dad. If he's, he's in the room right now, I want every faith kid and faith youth, I need you to say this. Repeat after me. Say, I, to your dad, to your dad. Say, I need rules. All right, now every father, say back to your children, me too. Every single one of us, need rules. Things don't work if you don't have rules. 
If you don't have rules, things are just left to go to whatever direction, however it is. Rules give definition. When something has definition, it has meaning. But if you eliminate rules, you eliminate the meaning. Unfortunately, sometimes of what we have done is we've tried to, to eliminate rules and things that are responsibility, and we're trying to make it easier, but the problem in doing so is we eliminate rules, you eliminate meaning. When you no longer have guidelines and rules for how things work, then the things that work no longer have any meaning. Can you imagine playing sports without any rules? That's called T-ball. Just just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, sports without rules. If you don't have rules, then no one has a position. No one has a place. There's no structure. There, there's nothing to play by. There's no order to what we do. Just anything goes. But in, in something to, to work properly, there has to be the rules and things that give meaning to it. When it has rules, it makes it better. Sports are better because they have rules. It gives the definition. You can't win if you don't know what the, what the goal is. If, if, the, if there's not a, a goal, there's no rules to give definition to why we're playing. My mom does not like football. The only thing my mom knows about football is you root for the black and yellow team. And I'm like, no, mom, that's not the Steelers. That, uh, they are the Iowa Hawkeyes. That is not, the, she doesn't know anything about football. She doesn't even care for football. You know what the truth of the matter is? She doesn't understand the rules. And here's what I've come to realize, that people that don't like certain sports, it's because they don't care to or they don't have any understanding of the rules or they have no interest to even learn the rules. But if you learn the rules, you start to like the sport. My wife and I went to Italy a couple years ago. While we were in Italy, the world or the uh, the, the seven uh, champions uh, uh, league was going on. This is the rugby for the area, and so it's country against country. We're like, we're in Italy, went in Rome, literally. <laughs> went in Rome, do what they do in Rome. So we went to the Italy versus France rugby match. It was incredible. I had no idea the rules. I get the concept, but the game made no sense. And the more I watched, the more I understood, I was just like all the rest, except for the cigarettes in the stands. They do not control that. That's not America. So we had to relocate because it was a little hard to inhale with some of that, the environment that was there. I don't have anything completely wrong with it. It's just my lungs like to breathe a little better than just in the midst of all the, <coughs> but anyway, by the time we found a better place to cheer from, we are now fans of rugby and of, of the Australian football. We, we've learned the rules. She's even worse at it than I am. She has a favorite team that plays in Australia. We've now become fans of rugby because we learned the rules. When you understand how something works, you gain more appreciation for it. When you understand the why behind it, sometimes we don't like the rules and we don't like the rules because it feels like it sucks the air out of things and we don't like to have the rules, but rules become necessary because they give definition. I've never met anyone who has said to me, you know what I really hate about driving are the guardrails. If they would get rid of the guardrails, it would just be a lot better to drive. Who has ever said the guardrails are a problem? No, because if you get to the guardrails, you know you have a problem. The guardrails aren't an obstacle for you. The guardrails become reference and a point of direction. Life needs reference points and directions and rules and guidelines in our lives to let us know where we are, where we're going, to give us direction. It becomes valuable and important. You need rules. You and I need rules. When we recognize the, the, the uh, importance of it, we gain the appreciation. God has some rules that he's called us to live by. The standards and the rule that God has is this, that we are supposed to walk and live with holiness. God has called us to be people who are holy. 
Now, unfortunately, holiness in, in the church and a tradition has sometimes been minimized to be uh, what you wear, what you look like, how you act, how you behave. All those things are a, a reflection of holiness, but that's not holiness. You, you don't put holiness on the outside to try and infect the inside. Holiness is what you receive from God on the inside, and it now changes everything on the outside. It's what comes on the inside. Jesus said to those who were Pharisees, because Pharisees were holy, they washed their hands at just the right time. Ooh, like they did everything just the right way. They were holy. And Jesus said, no, you're just a bunch of whitewashed tombs with dead man's bones on the inside. You've got it all together on the outside, but the heart is not in the right. You know all the traditions and all the right, the, 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 the protocol and all the things to do, but you don't become holy by what you do on the outside. Holiness is what's on the inside and affects the outside. It doesn't mean we don't have these guidelines, these areas, these things, but we recognize that holiness is not so I can behave well, holiness is how I interact with God. It's God's language of interaction. Jesus, or the, the Bible says this in Leviticus, God gives a word to, in Leviticus chapter 11, he's talking to the people, and in Leviticus chapter 11, he says, I am the Lord your God, you must consecrate yourselves and be holy because I'm holy. You and I are called to live holiness, to live a life that is holy, pleasing unto God. He also says in Hebrews chapter 12, he, he says uh, the, these words to us in Hebrews chapter 12, work at living in peace with everyone. How many have lived long enough to find out it takes work to be at peace with people, with certain people? It takes work. Doesn't mean give up on it. It means do it in a way that's godly. But notice it's interesting. He says work at being at peace with people and... And work at living a holy life. How many know holiness is not always easy? Being, making, doing the right thing is not always easy. Treating people the right way, responding the right way, talking the right way, talking to people the right way, whatever that, it's not always easy. Making the right choices, they're not always easy. But it's one of the things he says, work at this and work at living a holy life. Why? Because those who are not holy will not see the Lord. How many would recognize that's significant? He said, without holiness, you'll not see God. How many know if you know what's at stake, now holiness becomes altogether different. What's at stake is this affects my ability to see God. Here's the question I asked you at the beginning. How many want God's presence to fill your home? Holiness is a part of that. It's not the, just the requirement. There is a requirement to have interaction with God, but the requirement becomes altogether different when I have a relationship with God. Here's my point. How many know the Bible says, thou shalt not lie? Raise your hand if you've read that before. Raise your hand if you've ever told a lie. You are lying right now, you. Those you didn't. By the way, a white lie is still a lie. Because we've just, we customize things and a holiness to where it fits us. But you know what? Holiness is not about us. Holiness is about him. You see, when I recognize holiness, it goes and I know the Bible says, thou shalt not lie. Do you know the reason I didn't lie to my wife this week? It's because the Bible said not to. That's not the reason. You know the reason I didn't, I didn't lie to my wife this week? The reason I didn't lie to my wife this week is because I know that if I lie, it affects my relationship with God and it will affect my relationship with my wife, and I value my relationship with God, and I value my relationship with my wife, that because of what I value, it affects how I behave. I don't need a law to make me, I, I need a law, but if I'm depending on the law to make me behave, I've missed the whole part. 
It's the law is in place to help me know what's valuable. But the moment I've got a hold of what's valuable, that what is valuable should start changing everything about me. Let me ask you a question again. How many want the presence of God to be at home in your house? If that's the value, how many know that'll change everything about us? Am I making sense? When we have the value, it'll start to change and bring into a line. Why do I do what I do? Well, well, you know, well, I got to make right choices because I'm a pastor. And if people find out I do bad things, it could affect the church. That's not why I do the right thing. That's not why I make the decisions we make and what we do. Because how many know if it's only because people will see me, then I'll only do what's right whenever I feel like somebody's watching but when it's in me, the, the, the holiness and, and the desire. So what is holiness? What, what is holiness? If I want the presence of God, I've got to walk in holiness. Here's what holiness is. The word holy simply means this, to be separated from, to be different than, to be different from. The word holy means to be moved or removed from common that it's set apart. The reason we worship God in his holiness is because he is like no other. There is no one like him. He has no rival. He has no competition. He is in a league all of his own. He is God. There's no one who even compares. How many know the holiness of God? That we worship a God who is like no other. Do you know when we say you are holy, what we're saying is there's no one who could do what you can do. There's no one who can be for me who you can be. When you are holy, you are everything and all all encompassing perfect and complete everything I need is in you because you are everything you are unlike anything else you are holy and complete how many serve a holy God all right there's a couple of us in the room that's good I'd like to introduce the rest of you to him before you leave When we serve a holy God, it means that he's separated, he's different. Now, how many recognize you and I cannot be perfect and complete? So when God says, be holy for I am holy. If God says, I'm holy, I'm set apart, I'm unlike anyone else, I'm I'm complete, I'm perfect, I'm unlike anyone else, be holy because God is holy. You and I cannot be perfect, but how many know we can be different? And we should be different different. Here's point number one. When I walk in holiness, holy, holiness makes me different. You know, I'm different from the way I used to be even 10 years ago. Holiness causes me to change. If my attitude and my heart and my life doesn't mature and change and grow, then I'm not walking in holiness. I'm walking in pharisaical self-righteousness. Holiness is not about being better than someone else. Holiness is about being closer to God. So I got to ask myself, am I walking in holiness? Well, here's the answer, Jason. Are you closer to God than you were 10 years ago? Are you closer to God than you were five years ago? Are you growing in a, is God transforming you? Are you changing from the inside out? Is it affecting your marriage? Is it affecting the way you pastor? Is the way you raise your, is it having an effect the way you do your job? Are you changing from the inside out? Because holiness is not my ability to say, well, I don't do what they do. We're a holy church. No, holiness isn't my ability to compare to someone else. Holiness is my ability to recognize I'm closer to Jesus today than I was before. It's my proximity to him, not my betterment than someone else. 
when I'm in a place that, that, that's holiness, there, there needs to be a difference, a separation. I should separate. The, Paul said this, the, the Lord said, Paul recognizes it again. He says, that's why the Lord says, come out from among them and be separate. Don't be like those, uh, the, like the, the nations around you. Well, here, Israel, the nations around you, uh, they, uh, they sacrifice their children to false gods. Don't do that. Uh, they um, uh, they uh, they have relationships uh, with uh, individuals who worship foreign gods. Don't do that. Um, that whole interracial marriage, it's not an interracial marriage that people would say in Scripture. That has nothing to do with it. It's don't marry someone who has a different God than the true God. It's not a color of skin, not a nationality, not of anything. I know we've come, we've, we've made progress. We've gotten further away from that. Um, but he's saying to them, don't marry people who have a different God than the one true God. Can I say to you today, that still applies. Hey, young people, you're not married yet. Can I just give you some good advice? Don't get yourself connected to someone who does not serve the one true God. There's some, there's some guidelines and boundaries and things that are put in place to honor God, to, to, not, to not give yourself in a place that is unholy. Don't be like the nations around you. Don't be like people around you. Don't fight your problems the way the world fights problems. Do it God's way. There ought to be a difference about us. The, the, the scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, tells us this, but you are not like that. You're not like those who are falling away, those who are stumbling. You are not like that. Look at your neighbor, Sam, tell them you should be different. You're different. You're different. You're different. Don't be like that. For you are a chosen people. Anybody chosen by God? Raise your hand if you're chosen by God. Come on. Every single one of us. You are a chosen people. You are a royal. Raise your hand if you are a royal priest. Well, she's putting up both hands like, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna get, I'm in this. I'm like, I want this. You are a holy nation. Is there any, by the way, nation can be translated family. You are a holy family. Come on, somebody declare that. You got a holy family. That's who you are. He says this, you're a royal priesthood, a chosen people, a holy nation. Can I tell you, you didn't do anything to earn that. That's God's gift and his goodness to us. Now listen what it says. As a result, can I tell you what holiness? Holiness is more than requirement. I don't do holiness so I can get from God because I can't earn it. Holiness is a result of what I've already gotten from God. Because of who God is, the result by result, I can't help but want to walk in holiness to honor and please God. Because I know what he did for me, and I have a high value of who he is and what he's done, that I know what's at stake. So I'm going to make the right decision, not because I don't want to get caught, not because I don't want to get in trouble, but because I want to honor and please the one who is holy above all things. I want to please the one who is greater, who is holy. This is what drives us. He says, for that reason, or as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of darkness and into this wonderful light. Don't live in darkness, because God called you chosen, holy, and anointed, and a royal priesthood. Don't live like the world. Come out and be at a place. Come out and be separate. Be different. You're different. God, help us to be different. And when I say different, not better than. Put your nose down. Not better than. Holiness is not measured by am I better than someone else? You will miss that. How many know division happens the moment we ask ourselves who's right and who's wrong? Restoration happens when we look at Christ and say, where's he and where am I? And too often we look this way, but we have to learn to look this way. Holiness is in view of who he is, where he is. It helps us to be different. Here's number two. When I walk in holiness, I'm different. Number two, I am a worshiper. Holiness makes me a worshiper. 
I, I become a worshiper. I become somebody who, who, who wants to give praise to God. It becomes the lifestyle. It's just who I am. I can, I can talk about Jesus. I can even sing about Jesus. I've been known when my kids were, my kids caught on to this when, uh, when I had kids before they all abandoned me and left me. Um, I'm seeing a therapist. I'll be all right. Uh, I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, we, we'd walk through the store, and there are moments I'd start to sing. I wouldn't sing, like, out loud, but I would sing above a whisper. You know what I'm talking about? And there were times, like, in that song, it would get to where I would say the name of Jesus, and I would just say that name a little louder. And my kids caught on. They knew Dad was doing this on purpose because I believe at the mention of his name, demons have to flee, that we can declare the name of Jesus Christ. I believe that everywhere I walk, I walk in the authority and the power of God, that I can declare the name of Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus, every principality, every stronghold falls in the name of Jesus. Even though there's darkness, in the midst of darkness, the light can still shine, that we become people who are worshipers, in our lifestyle, even our very lives, everything that we are living in a place. Are there any worshipers in the room that you've come into a place, you know, the holiness of God. And because you've come in contact with the holiness of God, there becomes this expression of worship that becomes a part of your life. There's there, for those who walk in holiness, it becomes the outflow. You're a worshiper when you walk in holiness. Why? Because the only way you can walk in holiness is because you've been in the presence of the one who's holy. If you have holiness and you've not been in the presence of the one who's holy, you have religion. You have right behavior. Don't get me wrong. We need right behavior. But if all we have is right behavior to say, I do that and you, you don't do that, I do, you do, I don't, blah, 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 whatever that is. Holiness is not about having right behavior. Holiness is about having communication and connection and relationship with God. It's where his presence dwells and rests, that we walk in holiness, that we walk honorable and pleasing to God. There's a place of worship. Can I tell you, I worship Jesus when I watch TV. Now, that doesn't mean every commercial I play the, you know, worship, and I, you know, worship. No, I just mean, God, if it's not pleasing, if it's not building me up in my spirit, I don't want to watch that. If that's, if that's giving, I need boundaries in place. If that's causing my thoughts and my desires to not be godly, to, if it's intriguing and it putting things in a, in a direction that's not pleasing and honorable to the Lord, I need to put boundaries and guardrails and write things in place. I need to allow holiness that it becomes a lifestyle of worship. This is what I need to walk in. It becomes worship. The Bible says in Matthew chapter five, uh, in Matthew chapter five, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under the basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will do what? Praise your heavenly Father. Everything in my life, I want to give worship and praise to God. That when we, we are, are people who walk in holiness, everything we do is about praising God. Here's number three. Number three is this, that holiness makes me more attractive to God. How many want to attract the presence of God in your life? You know, you dress up for the people you want to get their attention. Let me just have a uh, quick moment. Hey, don't quit dressing up for your spouse. That was a freebie. All right, just throw that out there. I mean, it's never a fun thing where it's like, oh, God, there. We, <laughs> Best advice I ever had before I got married, a gentleman said to me, he was in our church. He said, young man, whatever you did to get her, you better keep doing it because if not, you'll just tell her you're a liar the whole time. It was good advice, good advice. 
I want to attract the presence of God. I, I want my life to put off a pleasing aroma that God would smell. I want to smell good to God. I, I want to be pleasing unto God. I, I want worship that to attract. And, and, and here's what happens when we attract the presence of God. He makes himself at home in us. When I walk in the, when I know how holy God is, how many, how many serve a holy God? Unlike any other, he is, there, there is none like him. I want you to think of that next time you say, you are holy. You're saying to God, God, there is no one like you. That's what you're saying. No one compares to you. You are holy. And therefore, I want to live holy. And what is that? I want to live separated, apart. I want to be different. I want to be at a place that gives worship unto you, that, that everything that reflects you gives glory. And then I want to live at a place that you are at home in my life. I want you to be at home. I want to see your glory, that everywhere I am, that I have, I'm, I'm fixed on you. Isaac Newton, who was uh, a scientist, you know, real smart guy back in the late 1600s, 1700s, you know, Isaac Newton, right? He did this experiment. He maybe not been that smart, but maybe uh, things didn't catch up yet. He did this experiment where he took the reflection of a sun on, in a mirror and stared at a mirror, which was the reflection of the sun, which intensified the light from the sun, and he stared in the mirror to see what effect it would have on his eyes. How many know we know today that not a smart thing to do? Not supposed to look like right into the, he just did an experiment. He looked as long as he could to see what it would be. He writes in his own words, it says that I shut myself away even for three days and tried not to think of the sun, but any moment I'd close my eyes and it would come, I would still see the glow, even in a dark place. Oh, that we would look at the glory and the holiness of God, that even when we're in a dark place, we'll still see his glory. We live in dark places. We go to school in dark places. We go to work in dark places. We live in an unholy world. But when my eyes have seen the glory, when my eyes have beheld the one who is holy, that even in a dark place, I can't forget him. Even in a dark place, I can't act like he's not around because even when I close my eyes I still see the brightness come on is there anybody who knows what I'm talking about I still see the brightness of his glory because I've learned to fix my eyes on him listen what is what Ezekiel said well the Lord said to Ezekiel would you stand with me as we prepare to close listen what he says to him catch this he said Remember, he heard the noise of rushing waters. Then he fell to the ground, and the glory of the Lord came into the temple through the east gateway. How many would say to God, Lord, let your glory come in. Open up you ancient gates that the king of glory might come in. Who is the king of glory? He is the Lord, strong and mighty. He is holy. He is unlike any other. Hey, dads. Hey, moms. Husbands, wives, sons, daughters, let's open up the windows and let the king of glory come in. He says, then the spirit took me and brought me into the inner courtyard and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. How many want the glory of the Lord to fill your home? <laughs> he took me to inner place and, the, and the, the, he filled the temple. While the man who had been measuring stood there, the Lord said to me, son of man, this is the place of my throne, the place where I will rest my feet. I will rest my feet. How many know that when someone rests their feet, it's because they're at home in that place? Yeah. 
you don't go putting your feet on my furniture. Now, unless you've come inside. Now, if I just show up and I find you just putting your feet on my furniture, I didn't even invite you. How many know that's called an intruder? Do you know who God is not? He is not an intruder. He's not a creeper. He's not an intruder. He's a gentleman. And if you create a place for him, if you set yourself apart the right boundaries, you walk in holiness, he'll prop his feet up and be at home. How many say, God, I want you to prop your feet up and be at home. Make yourself at home in my house. Make yourself at home in my heart. Now, here's what I want you to catch. Notice this. It says he heard the rushing sound. He got shaken. It shook him. Let, let, me, let me give you these four things that would have happened to Ezekiel. He got shook. He got moved. He got led. And he got changed. He heard the sound. It got his attention. It shook him. How many know God will use some things to get our attention? How many know God has sometimes gotten, how many have ever had moments in life? It's like, whoa, God just got my attention. Life happens. Things that God gets our attention. And then he falls face down. It was like he melted. It's a picture of an emotional response. How many know that it's, it's an emotional response? He fell face down. He got moved. Some of us have been shaken and some of us have been moved. But some of us have not yet been transformed. We've been shaken. We've been moved. We've had an emotional experience with God. But then it says when he fell down, the Spirit of God took him to the inner court. Oh, my. And in the inner court, he heard the voice of the man speak to him. Do you know what? I don't hear voices. I hear one voice. I hear The Bible says my sheep hear my voice. They know my voice. I hear the voice of God. And when I walk in holiness, guess what? The Spirit of God says this is the way. Walk in it. The Spirit of God speaks from behind and speaks. Why? Because he's brought me into his holy place. He, I am the temple of God. He leads me. He orders my steps. I walk from paths I shouldn't be on. Not because, well, I'm that good. No, his Spirit leads me. And in holiness, he orders my steps and he guides me. I want God to be at home in my house he got led and then he gets changed and here's where the change happens the change is when God just propped his feet up and said I'm going to stay here how many know when you have guests coming to your house it'll change you we got a dog a couple years ago it changed us we now have to let that thing out every morning we have to feed it every morning every afternoon We have to put it in a kennel if we're going to go on vacation. We have got to, it has changed our lives all because we got a dog. Do you know what the presence of God will do when he moves into your house? He'll change you. He'll prop his feet up. He'll make himself at home. And it'll change you from the inside. Some of us have been shaken. And we can recover from being shaken. Some of us have been moved with emotion. You can recover from being moved with emotion. Some of us, holiness has taken shape in us because now it's not just emotional. Now it's become a part of us. He's leading us. You hear the voice of the Lord saying, this is the way, walk in it. God begins to order your steps. That's holiness. You hear God say, hold your tongue. Don't talk that way. Forgive. 
walking, you begin to walk according to the leading. How many want God to be at home in your house to lead you, to order your step, to let you know, hey, that you need to put boundaries in place. You need to watch what's on TV. You need to set, set order, set things. Why? Because I know what's at stake. I want the presence of God in my house. Therefore, I want to walk in holiness. I'm going to sing this song. And if you would, if you're so inclined, would you just take a moment, maybe in this, in this time, just an expression of worship. People who walk in holiness are worshipers. One of the signs of worship is to lift holy hands to the Lord, whether that be in front of you or above your head, whatever that might be. But would you lift holy hands? The Bible says to lift your holy hands unto the Lord. It's a place of sacrifice. It's a place of saying, God, I, I'm here for you. You've got my attention. You've moved me. Now I want you to lead me. Would you just make this your prayers? They lead us in this song just one time. Holy Spirit, rest on us. Come on, would you make that your prayer right now? Come on, just make this your prayer to God. Holy Spirit, God, be at home in my heart. Be at home in my family. Be at home in my mind. Holy Spirit, be at home in us. Make yourself at home. Holy Spirit, rest. Rest on us. Rest upon my children. Rest upon my family. Rest upon my marriage. Oh God, my marriage is yours. My children are yours. My home is yours. Make yourself at home in my life. Rest on us. That's our prayer to God. God, here I am. And now dads, just before we leave, if if you're here with your family or maybe you're here and, and your dad's not with you, he's a father to the fatherless, but but I want to encourage dads and, and families, would you just kind of get together right now and either put your arm on your 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 around your, your children, on your, your wife's shoulder, whatever that is, would you just right now pray a blessing over your home? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God, give us boundaries. Help us to be led by your spirit. God, I pray your blessing in our home that the way we talk to one another, the way we treat one another, the way we, the, the, the way we interact, that God, you would bless our home. Father, bless our children. We pray, God, that, that our house would follow the rules of holiness. Let it be like you spoke over the temple, that the rule of our house, the law of our house would be holiness. Lord, we're not a perfect family. We're not a perfect house, but God, that we'd be a house in pursuit of your presence. Bless our homes. We pray this in Jesus' name. Come on, if you're thankful that God will answer our prayers today, would you shout amen, amen, amen. Yeah. Hey, Dad, I want you to know, Dad, I'm so proud of you. I'm so grateful for you. I don't know what to say except, man, I'm so thankful that you're in this journey leading healthy homes because we cannot accomplish anything in the church if it's not happening in the homes. And everybody said amen to that. Come on, give it up for all the dads in the room. Man, we love you. Grateful for you. We know you're not perfect because neither are your kids. And your wife's probably not perfect. Get close, but not quite. But man, we are blessed by God. Amen. Hey, dads, can I give you one last challenge as we go today? I want to challenge dads. First uh, Peter. In First Peter, there's five chapters. If you read through First Peter, it talks about holiness, how to live our lives set apart to God. Dads, can I challenge you? 
Would you read one chapter a day over this next week? I know there's seven days in a week. There's five chapters, so however that works for you. But I want to challenge dads. Would you read one chapter a day with your family and then ask God to rest in your home? As you read about holiness, what it is to to be holy unto God. I'm going to challenge dads. And then dads, would you do this? Would you just text me, message me, email me, whatever, uh, whatever it would be. And just let us know. Even maybe just simply saying, hey, we did that. We're doing that. Because it's going to be a reminder for us to just pray blessing. This week, what we're going to do is we're going to pray blessing over your homes. We're going to pray that the peace of God, that the spirit of God would rest on our homes. Amen. That's what he wants to do. God, let us walk in holiness. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Notice this. It says shine upon you. His face shine. How many know God can't look at unholiness? He can, he'll only look at holiness. So let us be those who walk in holiness. Be gracious to you and give.